Okay, Exodus chapter 7. If you're there, say praise the Lord. Amen. In the seventh chapter of the book of Exodus, we now see the conflict with Pharaoh begins. And the judgments of God, the signs of God begin to be poured out upon Egypt uh, as he has rejected the word of the Lord to let his people go. And so the seventh chapter, beginning with verse 1, The Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, that he send the children of Israel out of his land. Sister, would you close that door for me, or one of you please? Thank you. I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgment. Now, did you notice the last part of that verse? He said he's going to stretch forth his hand and bring out the children of Israel from among them, but he called them his armies in verse 4. Verse 6, Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them, so did they. Moses was fourscore years old, and Aaron fourscore and three years old, when they spake unto Pharaoh. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you, then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and he became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods, and he hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuseth to let the people go. Get thee unto Pharaoh in the morning. Lo, he goeth out unto the water, and thou shalt stand by the river's brink, against he come. And the rod which was turned to serpent shalt thou take in thine hand. Thou shalt say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me unto thee, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. And behold, hitherto thou wouldest not hear. Thus saith the Lord, In this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite with the rod that is in mine hand waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that is in the river shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians shall loathe to drink of the waters of the river. And the Lord spake unto Moses, say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and stretch out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon their streams, upon their rivers, upon their ponds, and upon all their pools of water, that they may become blood that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. 
And Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded. And he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh. And in the sight of his servants and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. And the fish that was in the river died. And the river stank and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river. And there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither did he set his heart to this also. And all the Egyptians dig round about the river for water to drink. For they could not drink of the waters of the river. And seven days were fulfilled after that the Lord had smitten the river. Father God, we come before you. We thank you, Lord, for your mighty presence in this service this morning. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing and your inspiration. I pray for this congregation today, God, to hear and believe your word, Lord Jesus, to gain understand by it, I pray. In Jesus' name, be glorified this morning, Lord, I pray. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. So we're going through the Bible. Genesis, now Exodus. Chapter by chapter, verse by verse. The Bible said, the Lord said, yod heh vav hey, all capitalized. yod heh vav hey, Yahweh. Sometimes pronounced is the word in the Hebrew. He says unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brethren shall speak unto Pharaoh that he send the children of Israel out of his land. Amen. Let's just stand and let's just lift our hands and thank God today for his mighty presence. Lord Jesus, we lift our hands in praise and adoration. Lord, we thank you for your mighty word today. God, I feel your presence is saturating this room. I thank you, Lord God, as we preach your word, that you'll be glorified in and through it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So God sends Moses and Aaron. We've already seen before that Moses made excuses trying to get out of the call of God in his life. And then the Lord, of course, countered every one of his excuses and overcame every one of his excuses but the last one, the fifth one, he said, I can't speak. I'm slow of speech. And so the Lord made a provision. Okay, Moses, you don't believe that you can speak. Then I'm going to give you Aaron, and he'll be your spokesman. But we found out that Aaron, the prophet, the spokesman for Moses, would get his message from Moses. And now we see in this verse that Moses would be as God and Pharaoh would be his prophet. I mean, sorry, Aaron would be his prophet. Now this doesn't, verse 1 doesn't make Moses God. Moses is not God. But he is God's representative. He's God's ambassador. So when it says that Moses would be as God and Aaron as a prophet, Moses is God's representative. God speaks to Moses, give, gives Moses the message. 
and then Aaron speaks that message so when we look at it in rank the prophet is underneath the set man the prophet Aaron is underneath Moses so that the prophet Moses is number one in rank then Aaron's number two in rank so that the prophet comes underneath the set man the set man gives the message for the house gets the vision for the house and then the prophet at times will declare that that vision in the house so I think you're pretty well uh, as a church understand those kinds of things correct okay but it's sort of sad because Moses really had everything he needed to do it himself but because he didn't believe he could talk very well then God made a provision for him to have somebody to speak for him you know kind of sad isn't it when you look at it Aaron could speak very well but Aaron at times did not do very well he could speak well but it he didn't do well at times in fact he helped lead Israel into idolatry and the worship of the golden calf he criticized Moses with Miriam his sister so he could speak well but he didn't do well all the time and many times Aaron created problems for Moses because he lacked the kind of character that he should have but nonetheless God made a provision that he would do the speaking as God gave Moses the direction and so we see in verse uh, 2 thou shalt speak all that I command thee so whenever you go you don't just speak your own mind when you go Moses you're going to speak the word of the Lord now if you go into the New Testament let's go over into Timothy and we see the same thing in 2nd Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 he says I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom verse 2 Paul says to Timothy preach the word be instant in season and out of season reprove rebuke exhort with all long suffering and doctrine so the word of the Lord tells us even in the New Testament that when a man or a woman preaches the word or preaches they must preach the word of God the problem we have today is that so many people when they preach they don't preach the Word of God they preach psychology they preach what people want to hear they preach what the congregation wants to hear they're real good psychologists in fact there are some preachers who stand in the pulpit that are more politician than they are prophet because they spend more time on politics trying to be politically correct you know or psychology or what the people want to hear a man of God or a person that's called to preach even even a woman when they stand and preach and declare declare from this pulpit it must be the word of the Lord it can't be what the congregation wants to hear it can't be psychology it can't be politics obviously sometimes we will tell you what's going on in politics but we're not preaching politics and we're not preaching psychology 
we must preach the word of the Lord. And, and so notice what the Lord says in verse 2, Thou shalt speak all that I command thee. Say all. all. Not part, but all that I command thee. When Moses is Aaron, and Aaron is going to go before Pharaoh, to speak all that the Lord commands them is not an easy thing to do. They're going to stand before Pharaoh and they're going to say things from the Lord that is God's Word about judgment that's going to fall upon His nation. So when God calls a man or calls somebody to preach, preach, He's calling them to preach the Word of the Lord and He calls us to preach all of the Word of the Lord. That's why we preach like we do. We seek to preach from Genesis to the book of Revelation. All of the Word of God. And when I preach the Word of God, I don't pick and choose. I don't pick and choose. If it goes against denominational belief systems, I still preach it. I don't pick and choose. If it causes people to get mad and leave the church, I don't pick and choose. I have a responsibility before God Almighty to declare the whole counsel of God or the oracles of God and I can't pick and choose, you know, the messages. Especially when you're going from Genesis to Revelation, you're going to have to preach everything. You're going to preach the whole Bible. Do you understand that? So when a person is, has a call on their life, if you're called today to preach, you have to preach the Word of God and you have to preach all of the Word of God, not part of it. You don't become a politician. You don't become a psychologist. You understand? You're called to represent God. And this is a shepherd that's going to be doing this. His name is Moses. He's a shepherd. So God says, Thou shalt speak all that I command thee. Are you here? When I, when I say that to you, I want you to know sometimes it's not easy. You preach the Word of the Lord, it's the Bible. But then applying the Word of God. Applying the Word of the Lord. And say the Lord says, okay, you need to make a change here. You need to make a change there. You need to change leadership. You know? You need to do this. You need to take the church a certain direction. And oftentimes the church not going to understand. And sometimes the church don't want to go with you. And sometimes leadership doesn't like it. But I'm going to say this to you so you understand. When God speaks, it has to be done. Amen? Even, even if it goes against friendship lines. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? Even if it goes against public opinion or public approval, you have to do what the Lord says. And I will tell you because I love people. I love you. And I love people. But... If God tells me to do something, I'm going to have to do it. And I, sometimes, it, it, again, it's going to go across friendship lines. It, it's, it's just it's going to do it, you know. And, um, and sometimes the Word of the Lord will wrestle with you. Some decisions that I make as your pastor, and I'm not trying to elevate myself today. Amen. But some decisions that I make as your pastor when it comes to people are some of the hardest decisions that I have to make. And the Word of the Lord deals with me for, for months and months and months and months and months. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm talking about literally months. You know, because I don't want to just make a decision on some things and, 
and it just be my emotion, right? So, so the Word of God, and I, obviously we have to preach the Word of the Lord, but sometimes God gives a command as to the direction the church should go and, and who's going to be doing what. You know what I'm saying. And you know how hard that is to make those changes? It's difficult. But we have to do it God's way. Amen? And sometimes people get upset. Sometimes people leave the church. And you just have to let them go. You understand what I mean? You wish them well. But ultimately, God is the head of this body. Pastor Carter, I, you know, I have leadership. I have headship in the sense. But I'm an under-shepherd. Jesus Christ is the head of this church. In an ultimate sense. I'm under Him. I get my direction from Him. I'm, and by the grace of God, I'm giving that direction to you. And some of you are not going to like it. But I have a responsibility before God Almighty to do it. Amen? And I wouldn't have it any other way. And I don't believe that you would have it any other way. Because the problem that we have today in so many churches is that preachers are hirelings. They've been bought. They're only in the pulpit because of the money they make. They're only in the pulpit for how many people they can get in their church. They've stopped being true men of God. They have prostituted themselves. They have prostituted their ministry. They've stopped preaching the Word of God. They're compromisers. They're becoming charismatic. If it can make their churches grow, if it can make their bank accounts grow, that's all they're in it for. And, and if you're a true man of God, you cannot pastor a church that way. But I want you to know the pressure. The pressure that is on a pastor to give in. The pressure that's on a man of God to compromise for the sake of numbers or, or to not make that decision because it's going to go across friendship lines or whatever. The pressure that is there is tremendous. Amen? And the longer you stand up and stand for God and preach the truth, you get tired after a while. You get weary. You know, because this, you can just go with the flow. If you go with the flow, then you don't have to do anything. But when you're going against the flow, man, it's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a lot of strength. And sometimes you get tired. And some preachers, if, if they're not in it for numbers and if they're not in it for money, they just gave up. They just got tired of fighting the battle. They got tired of taking a stand. They got tired of saying that's wrong, that's right. They just got wore out. Because the people that are in that church have wore them out. And they keep pushing their way and push what they want. And pretty soon, so many pastors, again, if it's not for numbers, if it's not for money, pretty soon the pastors just say, okay, just let them have their way. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Moses, I'm making you as a God and I'm making Aaron as thy prophet. And you go and you speak all that I command thee. Not just the, the things that are pleasant, but all that I command thee. Amen? So Moses is a representative of God. He's not God. He's a representative of God. He's an ambassador of God. He has to get His commands from the Lord and He has to obey those commands Himself. 
And he has to declare those commands to the house. Amen. He's going to have to go before Pharaoh and he's going to have to have very hard, strong words for that man. And so it's not easy. Amen. But if you're going to do God's service, that's what kind of call is on your life. So I'm just going to say this to anybody that has a call upon your life. This is what God requires. Now, whenever Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh, anybody can say, I'm sent by God. Right? Anybody can say that. You know, have you ever, have you ever thought about this? Somebody stands up and say, says, I'm sent by deity. That God has put His finger on that person's life and then they stand up before people and they say, I'm sent by the Lord. I want you to think about that. A man sent by deity to accomplish a work of God. How many people today can stand up and say, I'm sent? How many counterfeits are there out there right now in, in so-called Christendom? Preachers that are standing in congregations and they're saying, I'm sent by deity. But yet those many of those men, and in some cases women, they're not sent by deity at all. The reason why they're doing it, because they don't, you know, can't find a job anywhere else. Many times it's for self-aggrandizement. It's for self you know, esteem. Now, you get in the ministry, you, if you start out with self-esteem, <laughs> y'all, am I putting y'all to sleep? You start out in the ministry, if you got self-esteem, by the time you get done with the ministry, you're not going to have any left. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? So you don't want to get in it because it builds your ego. You don't want to get in it because of self-esteem issues. You don't want to get in it because it's self-aggrandizing. You don't want to get in to try to be a superstar so you can be out in front and everybody see you, you know? You don't want to get in it for that reason. But so many people today are standing behind pulpits in churches that should not be standing behind pulpits in churches. And God have mercy if I'm one of them. God have mercy on me and God have mercy on you if I'm one of those men that should not be standing behind this pulpit because I'm really not sent by God. God have mercy on me and God have mercy on you. You hear what I'm saying? As we go through this, we're going to see that this man... Moses, who claims to be sent by God as he goes before Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. Pharaoh's going to say, prove it. And I'm going to show you in just a moment the proofs of a person that's really sent by God. If they're really sent by God, there's going to be proof in their life that they're really sent by God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and I say this to help you. I say this, say this to protect you. I say this to protect myself. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be deluded into thinking that I'm something and I'm not. I'm, I, so what I'm going to preach this morning is I'm preaching it so I can help you, so that I can protect you. Because there are a lot of people out there that will come and they will say, I'm sent by the Lord. I'm sent by deity. How can I know if you're sent by deity? 
Is there any proof in your life that you're really sent by deity? And we're going to cover that in just a minute. But the first thing is, does that person preach the Word of God? All the Word of God? Or do they pick and choose? You understand what I'm saying today? Are they representing the Lord and obeying His commands and bringing that truth before people? Are they there because of all the other reasons that I've mentioned? And God says this in verse 3. Okay, I'm going to stay in verse 2. Sorry. Aaron thy brethren shall speak unto Pharaoh that he send the children of Israel out of his land. So we find out the next thing that a preacher is to preach as he preaches the whole counsel and all the commandments of God, all the Word of God, the next thing that the preacher is responsible for is to deliver souls out of bondage. When Moses was sent, he was going to preach the whole, all the commandments of God, all the command, all the Word of God to the people, to Pharaoh and everyone. But the purpose was so that people could be delivered from their bondages. So as I preach the Word of God, there should be people that are being delivered from the bondage of sin as I preach the Word of God. Do you understand? I'm just, I'm just being truthful with you. I'm just going to open my heart to you this morning. If you go to a church and your life does not change, if you remain in bondage to sin, because that man of God doesn't preach the truth to you, doesn't have the power in his life, Amen. You hear what I'm saying? And your life is not changed by the word that he preaches, then you need to change churches. Because there's a lot of churches today, people go there and they're still in the bondage of sin. They haven't been delivered from a sinful lifestyle. They haven't been delivered from the powers of hell. They haven't been delivered from the powers of darkness. They haven't been delivered from demonic spirits. And so what is happening, so many churches, they take, are you here, people, and they turn them into a crowd. Instead of taking the crowd and turning it into a church. If you go to a church that's preaching the truth, and the presence of God is there, your life is going to be changed. I've, I've said it before, and I believe this with all my heart. If you'll come to this church for six months and you'll apply the Word of God that, that is preached because the Word is where the power is. You will apply the Word of God in your life. For, if you will come here for six months, your life will never be the same again. You will be changed. If you want to be changed. Now, if you're like Pharaoh and you don't want to be changed, there's no sign, there's no miracle, there's no manifestation that can be done before you that you will ever believe. But if you're coming here today and you want your life to be changed, I say six months, and it doesn't take that long always, but if you give it six months, you'll be a different person. I believe it. Do y'all believe that? So when Moses went to preach, he was going to have to preach all the command of God, everything that God told him, but the purpose of the people might be delivered from their bondages. 
God has come to set you free. He's come to set me free. He's come to change our life. He's come to deliver me from the bondage. Sin is bondage. It's a prison. Demonic spirits want to destroy your life. God wants to save you. He wants to deliver you. Amen? So when you go preach, if you're called to preach, you preach all the Word of God, and it is that the children of Israel would be delivered. That He send the children of Israel out of His land. But notice verse 3, the Lord says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. And we'll come back to that in a future time. Verse 4, But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgment. God says when, I, when you preach that word and you tell Him to let my people go, He's not going to believe it. Even when I start working wonders and signs, He's still not going to believe it. Because His heart is going to be hardened. So, is that going to change the fact that Moses is called by God? Is that going to change the fact that he's sent by God? When the signs start taking place and Pharaoh refuses to believe? Mm -mm. He's still a man of God. He's still sent by God. And when the signs are taking place and the wonders are taking place, just because somebody doesn't believe doesn't take away from the call that's on Moses' life. He's still the man of God. He's still called by God. And he's going to work this signs, but there's going to be people that are not going to believe it, particularly Pharaoh here, because they're going to harden their heart. And I tell you, every time you come, if you harden your heart, to the Word of God and the things of God, it's going to be harder for you to believe the next time. People who choose... Are y'all here? You can help me preach. Say amen in once more. People who choose not to believe, no matter how many signs, miracles, wonders, manifestations of God that take place in that church or in the life of people, no matter how many miracles are done, if a person chooses not to believe, Jesus could be standing right in front of them and work a miracle for them and they still won't believe. But as it doesn't take away from the call that's on that individual's life. The one that's preaching the Word of God, the one that the power of God is manifesting uh, in and through, that doesn't take away from their call it's showing you the problem is with the person. Amen. If you won't believe after everything that God has done, it is because you've chosen not to believe. It's because you're stubborn and you're hard-hearted and you stopped listening a long time ago. God says, I'm going to tell you something about Pharaoh, Moses. He's not going to listen to what you say. And no matter how much is done, he's still not going to listen. 
to what you say. So God is good in the sense that He's telling His, His man, His servant, you're going to go and preach everything I tell you to preach and it's for the deliverance of the people. But you're going to have a battle on your hands. And that battle is, that man is not going to listen to what is said. Amen. But Moses, you're still called by God. Moses, you're still sent by God. Amen? How many preachers, ministers, even soul winners, how many soul winners are out there? Not just preachers behind the pulpit. But if you're a soul winner, how, how many times you get discouraged or you get disheartened or, or disillusioned, you go out there and you preach the truth to people, you tell them the truth, and you pray for somebody and they get healed. Or you pray for their children and they get healed. Or you pray for any situation, deliverance from a demonic spirit or psychological battles or financial situations and you pray for them and God does a work in their life but they still won't come to church. They still won't live for God. After everything that God did for them, the word that they heard, and sometimes you can get discouraged by that. But it doesn't take away from the fact that you're still a disciple. That you're still a servant of God. Just because they're not believing and just because they're not hearing. There are people who've experienced miracles from the hands of God that are not in this service this morning. But it doesn't take away from the fact that this is still a real church. That this is still a church of the living God. It doesn't take away from the fact that the Word of God is still preached here. It doesn't take away from the fact that you told them the truth and they experienced the power of God in their life. Because some people, no matter what is said to them and no matter what miracle happens on their behalf, they're still not going to believe it because they don't want to believe church. It doesn't change the fact that you're a true disciple. It doesn't change the fact that you that you told him the truth. It doesn't change the fact that you're still a true servant of God just because they refuse to believe. Don't fall for that trick of the enemy. You lift your hands and you praise God that you're still telling people the truth. You lift your hands and you praise God that God is still manifesting signs, miracles, and wonders. Amen. As you go forth to spread the gospel, you thank God that you're a servant of the Lord. And if they don't want to hear it, what do you do? The Bible says, wipe the dirt off the bottom of your feet and walk off. They're not worthy to even hear the Word of God didn't change who you were. It just revealed who they were in the name of Jesus. So be encouraged, church. I thank God for this church. I really do. I thank God. Let me tell you, God has done, done so much for this church and there's a manifestation of it in your life. Not just in the physical, but a manifestation in your life. We need to thank God for what He's done. I remember when we first started the church, we only had a couple of people. But numbers don't determine the call. 
It doesn't validate whether or not that is a person of God or not. Numbers don't do that. You can have a church of a thousand people and it still not be a church. You could have a small congregation of two or three. But if they're living for God and they're serving God and that word is preached like it should be preached, then you have a real church where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. Numbers don't validate a ministry. Give the Lord praise. I, I, know what I'm, I know what I'm saying and in a sense this by way of experience. When we first started the church, I had two people in the house. Taught a Bible study to them. Then we God opened a little, you know, shop over off of Brazos Street for us to have a place to go and, you know, serve him in a church building. We call it a church building. It's an old machine shop. And we started out with just a couple of people. Church, I want to tell you something. In those early days of that church, the power of God would hit, would move where there was only two or three people in that service. Only two or three people. But the anointing was just the same as it is today. The power of God would move with two or three people just like He moves with a hundred people in the congregation. Because God is not limited by what men are doing. Their belief for the like. Are you with me right now? As far as that ministry is concerned. So be encouraged, church. Be strengthened, church. Keep living for God. Living holy. Living right. Living by the Word of God. Declaring the Word of God. And as you witness to people, even in some cases your own family members, and they reject it, doesn't change who you are. I say it again, it doesn't change who you are unless you let it change you. If you let their unbelief change you and you start walking in unbelief, then you've got a big problem on your hands. Because God called you to be like a Moses. He called you to declare the truth. If you will believe Him, He will release an anointing in your life. And if those people still don't want to live for God the way they should live for God, you better not become one of them. You better keep being a Moses. You better keep being the man of God in your life. Because if you're not, you're going to be tempted to become just like them. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? There was a man that had a powerful, powerful ministry in intercessory prayer. I'm talking about that man for days and days and days would, would pray eight hours at a time. Eight hours a day. Powerful intercessor. Are y'all here with me today? He had a, such a wonderful walk with God. He wrote a book, if you can imagine, just on the subject of intercessory prayer. And he learned so much from God because he prayed so much. And he started to being asked to come and preach at different churches. Uh, I went to a particular service that he was in and, and the man had tremendous ability to speak by, on intercessory prayer. And something began to happen to that man's life. He began to go away from the things of God. He began not to walk into things of God like he used to. And you're saying, a man that prays eight hours a day, how could that man? How could that happen to that man? And Brother Dice told me this before he passed away. He said, Brother Carter, what happened is, you know, obviously, now this is not a put down. I want you to hear what I'm saying. 
in the intercessory prayer and the evangelism that they had, they reached out to a lot of, you know, people in the world, people with all kinds of immoral lifestyles, the harlots and, and drug addicts and all kinds of people that were in trouble. Everybody hearing me? Okay. That's not a put down. If you're in the church, God's delivered you from that. Amen. Amen. But as they reached out to those people, the harlots, the drug addicts, something began to happen in that minister's life. And Brother Dice told me, he said, this is the problem, Brother Carter. He said, that minister started becoming one of them. Instead of maintaining his call in the ministry and calling them to come up, he started becoming like them. You understand what I'm saying? If Moses would have gone before Pharaoh and he would have declared the Word of God and the signs and wonders would have taken place and because Pharaoh refused to believe, what would have happened to Moses if he tried to be Pharaoh? Well, God, Pharaoh don't want to listen, so I'll just join the club. That's what happens to so many preachers. That's what happens to so many people that come to church. Because this or that one doesn't want to believe, they start acting and living just like them. You've got to get up. You've got to keep on being the man or woman of God. You've got to obey the Word of God. And you cannot pull, let them pull you down to their level of unbelief. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. You and I are called to be different. You've got the answer. They need the answer. So this great, great, great intercessor. I don't know about anybody here that, you know, maybe you, you're an intercessor, but I don't know very many people that pray eight hours a day. You can be deceived even if you're praying for eight hours a day. The Word of God has to govern everything. You understand what I'm saying? We're going to go to Him. We're going to reach out to Him in compassion and love and mercy. But we're going to call Him out of that lifestyle. We're not going to drink with Him. We're not going to join Him. We're going to call Him out of that lifestyle. You're in the kingdom of God now. You're not in the hood anymore. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, said, so I think I got to be, you know, to be effective to reach those in the hood. I got to be like the hood. No, you don't. You're called to be a servant of the Most High God. You carry yourself as a servant of the Most High God. Some people have really fallen in the trap. Well, I don't think I can reach them unless I, I do what they do or dress like they dress. No, no, no. No, we're called to be different. We're in the kingdom of God. You have the answer. They should see something in your life that's different from what, what they're in. Do you understand what I'm saying? But I preach to people that are battle-worn. 
I preach to, to people here today that's been through some things and, and sometimes the pressure and just sometimes just what you're going through with all of that, it, it can work on you, but you got to get up and you got to keep fighting the good fight of faith. And you can't side with the enemy. You can't side with Pharaoh. you got to call him out of darkness into his marvelous light. If you want to be a sheep, you're welcome here. I'm not a pig farmer. And I'm not calling anybody here a pig. I don't want you to walk out of here and say, Pastor's calling people a pig. I'm not a pig farmer. I'm a shepherd. And if you want to be a, a part of the sheep, hallelujah, Jesus Christ, you're welcome here. But if you want to come in here and you want to scatter your filth and you want to live filthy and you want to, come on somebody, live immoral and you, want to, you don't want discipline in your life, this is not the place you want to come. You need to go find yourself a pig farmer. Because I'm not a pig farmer. I'm a shepherd of God's sheep. And the shepherd... Shepherd sheep. And she sheep are clean animals. I said they're clean animals. When you come into the kingdom of God, you may have come, you may have been living in filth before you came into the kingdom of God, but when you come to the kingdom of God, you start getting cleaned up. Your, your life is going to get cleaned up. Your spirit's going to get cleaned up. Your soul's going to get cleaned up. Your mind's going to get cleaned up. The way you live is going to get cleaned up. Look at your neighbor and say, This is not a pig farm. Praise the Lord. But the temptations, the pressure, come down. Only to reach out to you to bring you up. So I think about that. I was just thinking about that just the other day. Brother Dice told me that. He said what happened to him. Okay. He says because he just became one of them. If that can happen to a man that prays eight hours a day, that can happen to any one of us. Go and preach all the commands of the Lord and when you do bring them out of their bondages and if Pharaoh doesn't believe or that person doesn't believe it does not change the fact that you are bona fide you are a bona fide believer you're a true servant of God and don't let the devil play with your mind or your head in the name of Jesus don't let him tell you well this is just too hard if we find a little easier way or an easier path no, God's still calling me to a higher level. I haven't yet heard God come to me and say, hey, you know, you, you preached it too hard. No, He's calling us to a higher level. If you all understand, do you all believe that today? So just because somebody doesn't believe the message you're preaching, if it's the truth, and signs, miracles, and wonders may take place on their behalf, because God's a merciful God. He's a compassionate God. He'll help people when they don't deserve to be helped. And after He does help them, if they say, no, I don't want it, don't take it hard. It's, it's hard not to, right? But don't take it hard. Just go and find somebody else. Amen. It doesn't take away who you are. Jesus, help me.
It doesn't take away from who the preacher is. If he's walking with God and he's serving God the way he's supposed to, it didn't take away from him. I said it didn't take away from him. Say praise the Lord. You may be seated. When people come to you, when I come to you, and I say, if I say, I'm sent by the Lord, I'm called to preach, I'm called to pastor. Are they preaching the Word of God? Or are they psychologists? Are they preaching the Word of God? Or are they politicians? Are they preaching the Word of God? Or are they tickling people's ears and only saying what the church wants to hear? Is, are those lives being changed? You come into church, your life is a mess. You were a drug addict. You were living in adultery or all kinds of things. You were in the underworld. You shouldn't be that same person when you come into church. You shouldn't be that same person. Do you understand what I'm saying? It may take you a little time. Right? I, we recognize that. We recognize that. But if it's, if it's a true church of Jesus Christ, there's going to be a change in your life. There's going to be deliverance. Are y'all with me? How many of y'all, by the Word of God and the presence of God, because you believe the Word, it's changed your life. doesn't change your life you're not changed so keep serving God lift up your head when people persecute you speak all manner of evil against you hallelujah you have a reward coming that's what they did to the prophets you got a reward coming you can't expect everybody to say something good about you all the time when you're really serving God, you're going to make some enemies. Do you understand? So Pharaoh's not going to believe. God told him he's not going to believe. He's going to harden his heart. But, he, but Moses is still sent by the Lord. Verse 5, And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. And Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them. So did they. And Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 years old when they spake unto Pharaoh. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron saying, Isn't that interesting? you got an 80-year-old man and I know they lived longer in those days, right? But an 80-year-old man and an 83-year-old man sent by God to do this work? That glorifies God. Right? 80 years old, 83. You know, some people say, well, I'm just too old to serve God. I'm speaking hallelujah to old people right now. Amen. I'm just too old to serve God. 
he used Moses and Aaron 1883 I don't think there's anybody in the church right now here sister Amelia's over there in, in that rest home by the way you get time go see her she'd love to see you amen she's over 80 years of age you know what she does intercedes for this church Do you understand that? She asked Sister Christina a few days ago, where's the church? Sister Christina told her, it's real close by, Sister Amelia. See, she wants to know where the church is. She wants to know how far she is, hallelujah, in relation geographically to the church. It's close by, Sister Amelia. The thing that's in your heart, the thing that you love, is still close to you in the name of Jesus. And she's still, you go in her, you go in her room and she'll sit there and just, let's pray, let's pray. She'll just break out and just pray and just start prophesying. And it's going to be okay, Pastor, you know. And I'm just, that's the kind of person. She's over 80 years of age. And she's still serving God in that rest home. Don't say you're too old. 80's not old. 80's the new 30. Praise God. For an 80-year-old man and an 83-year-old man, if they can serve God like this, what about some of you young ones? How old are you, Thurman? 40 years old. You're half the age of this man. Praise God. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I thought Brother Thomas was 48. He's only 43 years of age. He's a baby. told me that the other day I'm 43 I'm 43 I thought she's 48 he's just a baby I didn't think sister baby's out she, she even broke 40 yet she's not even 40 yet they're just babies and what you you got so much you can do in the kingdom of God get busy serving God right now hallelujah you got physical strength get busy but if you're older don't say I'm too old to serve God God can hit you with an anointing that'll affect people's lives that'll change people's lives there's a man who's passed away but I remember when we first go to Taiwan he's 80 something years of age and he didn't get the Holy Ghost until he was in his 80s Chinese man I remember seeing we going and going there and stand up and preaching that old Chinese man you know didn't have any front teeth but he just got the Holy Ghost just got the Holy Ghost isn't that wonderful how many would just give up they just give up they start getting a little old they just give up on life no God wants to use you you're not too old to be used by God how many of y'all believe that some of y'all are just babies. Me too. Right? It's going to take me about 30 years to even get Moses' age. I still got some time left. Amen. Y'all start talking about how old I am. I'm going to look at you. I don't know what you're talking about. You, need to, you just need to stop it. You need to look at your neighbor. Just, just, just tell them, just, just stop it. I'm going to stop it. Stop it. Talk about how old you are. 
Brother Mark better be careful back there. He thinks he's old. God might call him into the mission field. Are you here? Now, I know he doesn't want to hear that. But if you're using your age, brother, you're too old. That doesn't work with God. You're younger than I am. By one year. Say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Say, look at you and just tell him stop it. Stop making those excuses. Amen. All the old people said amen. amen. You're not old. All the young people said amen. amen. There you go. The Lord spake unto Moses in an era, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle. Prove it, Moses. You claim to be called by deity. You claim to be sent by deity. Anybody can say that. Where's the proof? What's the proof of it? Okay. Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you. Then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. Proof that a person is called by God is that they are going to have the power of God in their life. How can you be called by God to do God's mission and not have God's anointing, God's power? Pharaoh is going to require a sign. He's going to re require proof. You just come up there and start talking about how you're sent by God. There's, there's going to be some people going to call your hand. You hear what I'm saying? Let me, let me put it this if you say you're called by God and you're not by, called by God, you are going to be exposed. It may take a little bit of time, but ultimately, a person who claims to be called by God and is not called by God is going to be exposed. I'll say it again. It may take a little while, but they will be. Okay? So if a person's really called by God, that anointing's going to be there. And the church is going to discern there's an anointing there. There is power there. Do you understand? If there's no anointing there, if there's no power there, just, okay, put your little boxes out here. I can't check that one off. Now, John the Baptist, the Bible says, he came preaching. He came to prepare the way of the Lord. You know what the Bible says? He did no miracles. So when we talk about this, the proof here, it doesn't mean 
Now, I can expect miracles, and you can expect miracles, but I'm just saying that just miracles is not the proof. John the Baptist was anointed to preach to be the greatest prophet that ever lived, but yet he worked no miracles. But I promise you, when he preached, the people knew. Because from the womb of his mother, the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Ghost. You with me here? The Spirit of God was in John the Baptist within the womb. I tell you what, when John the Baptist was in his mother, he kicked different from any other baby. I mean, he leaped within her womb when he heard the great news of Messiah is coming. When Mary walked in, who's going to be the mother of Jesus, John leaped within Elizabeth's womb because the mother of his Lord just walked in. Leaped within her womb. And the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Ghost. So even though he didn't do great miracles in his ministry, when that man preached, there was power. Are y'all here with me today? He was anointing. There was a power in that man's life. So if you claim to be sent by deity, you're going to have some power. Okay, let's don't be negative here. Do you have the power? If you do, check it off. About that one. Okay. Anybody here? Are you awake? Okay. Can anybody just throw a rod down on the ground? Here's a rod right here. This is sort of what he had. Can anybody just throw a rod down on the ground like that and it turned into a snake? I thought he'd have a little faith. But he had no, no faith. I threw that thing down. I thought he'd think it turned into a snake. And I thought he was going to go like that, but he didn't. He just get through. No, not, not, not just anybody can throw a rod down on the ground and it turn into something else. Okay? So when Pharaoh requires the sign, Moses got the power. First one, power must be in that person's life. Number two, the ability to make the impossible possible. Because normally it is impossible for that rod to turn into a snake. But Moses made the impossible possible. That doesn't mean, give me the rod again. Let's try this again. Lord, would you turn this thing into a snake right quick? Just real fast. Okay, it didn't turn into a snake, everybody, in case you don't know. I promise you if he did, he'd be running right out. (laughs) 
All right, obviously, God doesn't do the same, that same sign now all the time. He can if He chooses. But the point being is this. The revelation is this. Impossible things, things that seem impossible, become possible in those people's lives. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. In your mind you thought, that's impossible. I don't believe that's ever going to happen. Are y'all with me right now? And then look, it's manifested openly before you. Hallelujah to the Lamb. You obviously know there are some things that will never happen unless God's anointing is there. Some things will never happen. Unless God makes it possible, Brother Heath. You understand what I'm saying? Give the Lord. I feel an anointing right now. Now, I'm not saying this for my sake, but I'm looking at some miracles right now. Some of you are impossibilities who have become possibilities. I'm looking at everything that God has done for this church. And I'm telling you, but for God, it would have been impossible. And that brings great encouragement. So is the power of God in that person's life? Number two, does, does the impossible become possible because of the anointing that's on their life? If it does, it brings great encouragement. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, that didn't discourage me. That didn't discourage me at all because I see a lot of people right here that's been changed this stick might not change but I've seen you you've been changed hallelujah are you kidding me to even think that y'all like God said of His people, they're my army. Are you kidding me? Just look. Are you kidding me? If God can use me, He can use you. Are you kidding me? Now I'm standing up here preaching. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Now are y'all with me? You're here right now. And your life's been changed. And you're the army of God. And you're experiencing blessings and miracles in your life. He might not change a stick, but something's better than a stick that's changed, and that's you have been changed. I have been changed. The mighty works of God have been performed. I give Him all the glory. Because I promise you, doing what I do and doing what you do, if we don't have power and we don't have fulfillment, which is the impossible becoming possible, if we don't have it, we might as well shut the doors on this church and all go home. But God is in this church. His power is manifested here. 
and I see the change. Impossible things have become possible. You need to start believing the impossible to become possible. I feel the Holy Ghost. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thanks, brother. Hallelujah. We can lay hands on your head and God works a miracle in you. Manifestation, change, impossible become impossible. What encouragement. Come on, church, you with me? If I don't have an anointing to preach, I'm quitting today. I said, I'm quitting today if I don't have an anointing to preach. But there's anointing to preach. Are y'all with me? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. If the impossible is not becoming possible, then it's not real. Because God works miracles. You should be encouraged, church. You should be encouraged what God has done in your life. The changes that have taken place in your life. Your impossibilities that became possible by the power of the living God. There's nobody like Jesus. I'm looking at a church house full of miracles. Praise the Lord. Right, Brother Thurman. I haven't got him off the pew yet. I will. <laughs> that chair too comfortable, you know. Praise the Lord. How many of y'all believe the word of the Lord? Verse 10. The Bible, well, he threw it down, he became a serpent. In verse 10, And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so, as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh, and before his servants, and it became a serpent. How did it all happen? How was the power of God in the man's life how did he have the manifestation of the impossible become impossible? Because he obeyed the Lord. This is not just a message for preachers. It's a message for every one of us. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That word power it comes from the Greek word dunamis. Dynamic power. That means when you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to have dynamic ability. It's not just to the preacher today. It's to everybody here. God's going to release dunamis in your life. Dynamic power. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost dynamic power things are going to be done in your life that you could never do without God and because God is in you and you got that dunamis because the Holy Ghost is in you in the Old Testament it might have been a prophet here and a Moses here are y'all here right now and a priest here and a king here but now the Holy Ghost is on all of you and in all of you you've got the power 
power to work the impossible, to make the impossible possible in the mighty name of Jesus. You just need to start praying and you need to prophesy to yourself in the name of Jesus be healed. In the name of Jesus. I'm believing for the impossible. And it comes by obedience. It comes by obedience. The more you obey God, when you do it God's way, when you declare God's word, that's what brings the power. And that's what brings the encouragement, the fulfillment of the impossible becoming possible is because you obey the Lord. The more I obey God, and the more you obey God, the, the, that's the reason, church, for the power and the manifestation of the power. Do you understand what I'm saying? So is the person who claims to be sent by deity. And I'm talking to you now, not... Do you have the power of God? And is the impossible becoming possible in your life? And are you becoming more obedient to the Word of the Lord? God bless you. I feel such an awesome spirit right now. I'm talking about the favor of God right now on this house. God bless you right now. I believe that God's going to do greater things for you. Greater things shall He do. If you thought God, listen, God is ever increasing. I talked about those young people running. You get tired when you run. I get tired. It's not always an increasing strength that I have. But with God, the exceeding, the exceeding greatness of His power to usward, to those that believe, the exceeding greatness of His power. You thought He was great Wednesday. He's greater today than He was Wednesday. You thought He was great last Sunday. He's greater now than He was last Sunday. Only God is ever increasing the exceeding greatness of His power to us. God's getting greater. God's getting... Are y'all with me? The exceeding greatness of His power. And what releases that is obedience. Obedience. The more obedient we become to the things of God, the more power is going to be manifested. How many of y'all believe that God wants to use you on a greater level than you've ever been used? Some of y'all, some of y'all have experienced the power of God in your life. Amen. And you've experienced even the exceeding greatness of His power. He's getting greater every day. Maybe some of you got to a place where you think, I'm satisfied. How many of y'all would like to walk up and pray for the blind and watch them get healed? Are y'all with me here today? How many of y'all like that? Somebody got a demonic spirit. You're saying the name of Jesus come out and they come out. You've got the power. You've got the name. Jesus is the rod in your hand. The name of Jesus is the rod in your hand. The Holy Ghost that's in you is the rod of God. That obedience is what releases it. Third thing, does the man 
obey God? Does the woman obey God? Do you obey God? That's proof. So Pharaoh says, give me proof that you are sent by deity. Power. Impossible things become impossible. Obedience in the life. Obeying the commands of God. Three things. That was the proof. Do you have the proof today? In your life. Oh, come on. Don't be shy. Lift your hand and say, I've got the proof. <laughs> Help me preach. Look at him say, the exceeding greatness of his power. He's not diminishing. God is not getting weaker. Are you kidding me? The one who says, let there be and there was. The one who can just speak the word. The one who can part a Red Sea. The one who can raise the dead. We need to raise our faith level a little bit. We need to believe for greater things. I said, we need to believe for greater things. God tells you to do something, do it. I said, but Lord, how? How? How can it happen? How can it be? Because I give you the Word. I give you the command to do it. And as you go forth and you obey that command and that Word, it may look impossible to you. But as you obey God, God is going to begin to make the impossible possible in your life. In the name of Jesus, get rid of all doubt. Get rid of unbelief in your life. Believe God. Obey God. How many know what I'm talking about? Before you ever see great things take place in your life from the hand of God, He brings the challenge. A word to obey. And when you obey it, the impossible becomes possible. You're sitting around, God, oh, I need change. I need something to happen in my family. I need something to happen in my life. He'll bring a command. He'll bring a word. He's going to say, but Lord, how can I even do that? Do it and watch God do what he, He's going to require of you what you can do. And then when you've done everything that you can do, God will do what only He can do. You believe it. I said, you be how many of y'all want to see the mighty, the mighty power of God? His signs and wonders. So get ready. He'll give you a command. Then the power will come and the impossible becomes possible. Why? Because you obeyed Him. Because Moses and Aaron obeyed Him. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I just feel such an uplifting. I feel such an encouragement. I, I feel such an edification. A building up in this house right now. If you'll hear the word of God, God is going to do great and mighty things for you. Your test is going to, uh, forgive me for cliches, but your test is going to be a testimony. My test is going to become a testimony. Amen. God calls you to do a work for Him. Calls you to plant a church. 
How am I going to do it? Lord, don't have any people. Don't have any people. You do what God calls you to do. And you let God take care of the rest. Y'all hear this? How many of y'all believe? How many of you believe? So they obeyed the Lord. Verse 11, Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. Now I want you to see this. The sorcerers, the witches, okay, using witchcraft, the powers of the demons, hear this. The devil does have power. Demonic spirits have power. Don't ever walk around and say the devil don't have any power. He has power. The magicians using witchcraft, sorcery, demon spirits. I'm not saying it was a true miracle, but somehow they turned their, their rods turned into serpents. The devil has power. Okay. That's why it's so important that we have a knowledge of the Word of God. Because there's some things that the devil can do that imitates the power of God. And you and I have to have a knowledge of the Word of the Lord to be able to discern the difference between the true power of God and an imitation. Because the imitation often looks just exactly like the real. So you and I have to have a knowledge of the Word of the Lord and we have to have discerning of spirits, the Holy Ghost in you. Where is it originating from? Is there an angel here or is there a demon here? Is this God's presence or is this demonic? You have to have discerning of spirits. So number one, you need the Holy Ghost that gives you discerning of spirits. What's operating here? Okay, do you understand? Where is it originating? The Word of God. I'm telling you, the imitation was done by the devil. Alright, now listen. These signs that were imitated by the devil, the devil has, and you'll see in a moment, through these sorcerers, demonic spirits, he had even power to turn water to blood just like Moses and Aaron. His power, the devil's power, stops with the third plague. So, devil... Imitation, sign, and miracle. The Bible says in the last days that false Christ shall arise. If you can hear it, false anointed ones will arise because Christ, Christos, means anointed ones. And He said in the last days, many false anointed ones will arise. Seeking to do what? Deceive many. 
So when the devil works his power, works a, we'll call it a sign, it is always for the purpose, hear me, to deceive the people. When God works his signs, his signs is to bring the people to truth. All right? So what is working in the situation here is, is that these sorcerers, these enchanters, are using the power of the devil to turn people away from the true God. In the name of the Lord. Now, I'll get to it in just a moment. When Moses and Aaron, by the power of God, the Nile River turns red, turns blood. These sorcerers did the same thing. They imitated it. Now watch, listen. Everything in Egypt was, the water was turned to blood. Everything in Egypt was turned to blood. Except on the outside of the river, Nile, they dug wells and got water out of the ground in order to drink. God had already struck with His judgment the water of the Nile, the water in the pots. Everything was contaminated, turned to blood. The Bible says these sorcerers took the water that was dug, good water that was dug, out of the ground by the shore, and they also turned it into blood. I want you to think about this. I'll get to it in a minute. I'll read it to you. The Bible says when God worked that sign and turned the Nile River into blood, the fish died. The Bible says it stank. It stunk. Maybe that's the word, stunk. I want you to notice this, even though the, the enemy, the devil, could imitate the sign and turn, he took good water and turned it into bad. Notice, he did not have the power to stop the judgments of God. He, I want to say it again. He could not stop the judgments of God. He could not turn the water that it turned to blood back into pure water. He could, Jesus' mighty name be glorified. He could not take dead fish and make them come alive again because the devil doesn't have the power to stop the judgments of God. He doesn't have light. He doesn't have the power to purify anything. He doesn't have the power to raise, are y'all with me, dead fish to life. All the devil can do when God's judgment comes is add to the judgments. He can't stop them. He can't change them. He doesn't have that power. So he might be able to do imitation power works, but it's always to deceive people and turn them away from obeying the Lord God Almighty. Jesus is His name. And he cannot stop the judgments of God. He can't purify the water. He can't cause the fish to come alive again. And his power stops at the third miracle or the third sign. Do you understand what I'm saying? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.
spirits are spirits that are in people that are used by the devil. They can do signs and miracles. I call I you know, it's really a miracle in, anyway. But what you have to understand is those people do they name the name of Jesus for the miracle? Do they say in the name of Jesus be healed? Are they using, are you, is God using them in manifesting those powers to bring that person to Jesus? Or is it driving people away from God? Is it destructive? Is it destructive? Is it destroying people's lives? You hear what I'm saying? Again, it doesn't have the ability to purify or bring life. But if it's God, it can. Do you believe the Word of the Lord today? I read a story, and I don't like to do this because I'm doing it from memory, but I read a story about a person who had tattoo on their body. And the power of demonic forces, the power of the devil, I don't know how it happened, but caused the tattoo to disappear. You know what happened after a period of time? It came back. The tattoo came back. If it would have been God's power, if He would have removed it, it would have stayed gone. He might do a temporary thing, but is it maintained? Maybe, maybe the power of God or does something in somebody's body and, and their body is temporarily healed. Does it stay healed? Are y'all hearing me? Okay. If it's really the power of God, it brings life. It brings purification. It brings salvation. It brings you to obedience to the Word of the Lord. It doesn't cause, cause you to go away from truth. False prophets are raised up by the enemy to lead people away from this wood, this book, this Bible, this Word. If they're a true prophet, they will never lead you away from the Word of God. So there are signs that are imitation signs that are done by the enemy. Now listen to me, okay. Matthew 24, 24, in the last days, false Christ shall arise. You think, you take that in your mind, oh, that's talking about the Antichrist. He's the ultimate false Christ. In the last days, church, false anointed ones will arise. There's an anointing on them. And you look at it and say, man, that, must be the, that, that person must be of God because there's an anointing on them. What kind of anointing? Are they preaching the Word of God? Are they bringing you to the truth? Are they declaring, hallelujah, the name of Jesus? Are you with me here today? 
Is it purifying the life? Is it bringing life? Is it bringing salvation? Anybody hearing the word of God today? Ultimately though, ultimately, sometimes it's difficult to discern. Okay? So ultimately, you have to get back to the Word of God and you have to stay full of the Holy Ghost. Okay? Try the spirits to see whether or not they are of God. Because if it's God, if it's God, it's going to bring order. If it's not God, it's going to bring confusion and chaos. In the name of Jesus. Amen? Now listen, you have to have the Holy Ghost to discern that and the Word of God, right? Okay. So when we were over in, in Brazos, they, when I was a young preacher there, still a young preacher today, Anyway, I'm just kidding. Man, they come walking through the church doors on Brazos. One came up to me and said to me, I got a word from God for you. Okay. She had earrings down to her belly button. Well, maybe not quite. She painted up all over the place, you know. I just, as soon as I saw her, I knew she wasn't any good. Okay? She, she, right? If, you, if you're a true prophetess, you're going to have holiness in your life. Okay. So there was no manifestation of holiness in her life. But I, she's got a word from God for me. Now, if you got one, God bless your heart. But she came to me and she said, You're not doing this right. That's what she told me. That's a word from God? You're not doing this right. Wow. So I looked at her. I knew she was real. I looked at her and I said, God's not going to send my mail to your mailbox. I said, if God's got something to say to me, God's going to send the mail to me. She walked out and never saw her again. Amen. Now, there's true prophets and prophetesses of God. I believe in that. But when the false comes up, you've got something in, in you called the Holy Ghost going to let you know. And a knowledge of the Word of God will protect you. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You think, you think God's going to send somebody that doesn't live holy, that doesn't practice living a pure life? Pure life? Come on, man. Your brother Dice would have told me because he's alive in those days. Brother Dice told me, Brother Carter, you're, you're doing this whole thing wrong. Yes, sir. What do I need to do, sir? Tell me how to fix it, sir. Tell me what I'm doing wrong, sir. I'd have received it in a heartbeat. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
When I think if God is going to send a, a word to me, He would have probably sent it to my spiritual father. You think He would have bypassed my spiritual father and send a woman I don't even know that's not even dressing right, not even holy, not even pure? No, I know, I know that woman wasn't from God. But the Holy Ghost was in me. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Spirit of God. So even sometimes people who claim to be sent by deity and they're not, they can work signs, miracles, and wonders. Amen. Know the Word. Walk in discernment. Know this, that God is not going to bypass authority. He's not going to do it. He doesn't bypass proper lines of authority. It will come with order. Amen. You will be you will discern inside. This is right. I feel this is okay. Amen. Say praise the Lord. Anybody here? Mmm. Why am I saying these things? To help you, to protect you. Now, thank God for true prophets and prophetesses, and thank God for true true men and true women of God. We need them. We need Moseses. We need Aaron's. But remember, when the true manifestation of God begins to take place, look out for the counterfeit. To come. The counterfeit comes. Hallelujah. And the counterfeit will lead you away from truth. It'll lead you away from God. It'll lead you away from your pastor. You'll stop having a relationship with your pastor. Man, God doesn't work like that. That's all I know to say to you. So they could only go to a point. That was it. God kept working signs, miracles, and wonders. So I got to, okay, I feel led of the Holy Ghost to do something I don't think I've done in a long time. Do, does anybody here have a specific question for me on this? About true versus imitations, signs. Anybody? Sister? How do you know the difference? I just told you. Let me say this. If you have a question for your sake as a sheep, if you have a question, the good thing is you have a pastor. So if you're not really sure, okay, but you kind of feel uneasy. Number one, if they're misleading you and taking you away from the Word of God, you know they're not truly sent from God because nobody will take you away from that. That's the ultimate authority. Okay? They will not lead you away from spiritual authority in your life. Okay? You got those two, and it, they're not doing those. But you still aren't sure. You need to call your pastor. And you need to say, this is going on. Is it okay? Because if it's really of God, there will be nothing wrong with me being made aware of it. If it's really of God. Okay? 
so you won't get messed up. Now if they say, don't tell, don't tell, don't tell pastor. Don't tell pastor what we're doing. You know right off. Do you understand? So, a check and balance. Are they biblical? Okay? Do you understand? Um, any questions, just call me. Okay? And I'll help you. I'll help you. Woo! It's quiet in here. Does that help? See? Okay. Because obviously you want to have a conversation here, but if there's something specific going on in your life right now, something specifically... See, the Lord's talking right now. He's opening your eyes to things. So if there's something specific, obviously we don't want to talk about it in, the con in front of the congregation. So I'll talk to you in private, okay? And I'll, I'll address private things in a private way. Say amen. amen. So Matthew 24, 24, in the last days, false Christ shall arise. Jesus told you that. If it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. Woo! Now, listen, the good news is this. Is that ultimately everybody that may come here at some point and say, I'm sent by deity. The good news is this. Is that with time, may not get it right off, right off. Sometimes it's at the beginning, sometimes it takes time. At time, with time, as long as we keep preaching order and we keep leading the church the way it should be led, keep preaching the Word of God, then it's, at some point it'll all be manifested. That's the good news. So, in, in one sense, I'm trying to help you have discernment, but secondarily, as a pastor, I have to be the shepherd looking out for wolves. coming among the sheep. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, that's why I say to you, if it's of God, it'll never tell you to bypass the shepherd because the shepherd's watching out for the very thing that they're telling you to... The shepherd's watch, watching out for the wolves to come in the congregation and mingle the imposters, okay? The infiltrators. See, some of you don't realize this, but the devil, Satan, Satanist, have assignments to come and sit right in the congregation. And they'll sit in that congregation for years. And you never know that their assignment is from Satan. They're called infiltrators. And eventually, man, they start sowing trouble and discord and all kinds of problems within the church. It, it becomes a mess. They are tools of the enemy. Okay? So that's, that's the work of the shepherd. That's why it's important to have a shepherd. Now, having said that, I ask you to pray for me because I need discernment. Because sometimes it's not always easy to identify. 
Okay, now, okay, here's the good news. Let's say true prophets and true prophetesses of God are sent to the house of the Lord. If they're true, they're not, they're not going to um, buck against being tested. Jesus, I feel an anointing on my life. If they're really of God, they're going to say, yes, I want to be tested. I just told you at the beginning of the message. I want to be tested. I told you at the beginning, if I'm not a true man of God, I need to get out of this from behind this pulpit. I told you that. I told you, you need to go find a church if you're not being delivered, if the Word of God is not being preached to you and you're not being delivered in your life and you are a believer, you need to go somewhere where you can find that. Nobody is exempt from the authority of this Bible. And God does not bypass divine authority. That's why I say when, when she came to me with that, I've got a word from you. If it was really from God, He'd have spoke to my spiritual father. And i tell you one thing, God knows, God knows that Brother Dyson told me, you're not doing it right. Tell me how, Brother Dice. I wouldn't say, well, he, you're not the pastor of this church, Brother Dice. Are you kidding me? I said, no, Brother Dice, you tell me where I'm messing up. Anybody here? Okay, so let me just put it this way. False and true both have to be tested. That's why we need a knowledge of the Word of God. And we need to stay full of the Holy Ghost on an individual basis. And you need a shepherd. You need a pastor. Okay? Say praise the Lord, church. You know, the shepherd's good for you. The shepherd's looking. Is there a wolf coming in here? You know? Well, praise the Lord. Looks like y'all are doing okay. I mean, I don't discern anybody, any wolves or anything coming in and devouring the flock or misleading you. Okay? Taking you away from God. Things of God. I don't, I don't discern that. Hallelujah. Okay? You doing alright out there? But you do need to know false prophets are coming. Now, in the last days, false Christ shall arise. What time is it? 12.30? I can't believe it's this late. I'm going I'm to shut it down. Just a minute. Just a minute, okay? In the last days, false Christ shall arise. Many false anointed ones, okay? Are they preaching the doctrine? What's their fruit? Fruit doctrinally. The fruit on the tree tells you. If they are true prophets, they preach the truth. They preach the Word of God. Fruit. Doctrine. Number two, in their life. Do they live a holy life? A pure life? Right off, you can look, you can look at that. Okay? Now, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says that Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. 
And Paul said, don't marvel at that. He said his servants, the servants of Satan, transformed themselves into an angels of light. He said, don't marvel at that. Satan himself disguises himself to be an angel of light. He doesn't come in with a red suit. He disguises himself as a minister of God. He disguises himself as a servant of God. Don't be marveled at that. If his servants do that, he does it. If Satan can further his kingdom by making you believe he's good, he'll go that approach. Whatever it takes to further his kingdom. He will disguise himself as something that he's not. An angel of light to destroy your soul. Take you out of the church. Amen. Okay. When the Antichrist does rise to power, the Bible says he'll be able to do lying signs and wonders. And deception will run rampant. Okay, so we need the Word, don't we? Verse 14. Okay, verse 12. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents, but Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Jesus! Where's Melvis? Never step in. Okay. She's probably seen more demonic miracles than any of us all put together ever have. Alright? So at some point, I just feel the Holy Ghost. Maybe at some point she'll be able to share with you. I think she could probably explain this better than I can. Because she's lived in that environment. She, When I was in Zambia, um, they wanted my handkerchief, you know. And she was concerned they were going to, somebody was going to take it and put a curse on it. You know, and I'm not thinking like that. They want my handkerchief, fine, you can have it. So there's some, there's some countries like where she's from that it's more prevalent than, than here in the United States of America. The problem with that is in the United States of America, they wear nice suits. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it's, it's, it's a great challenge. And, um, you know, even while we were there, okay, listen, church. Even while we were there, there was one man I kept saying, I kept, in a good way, not, in, not malicious, not mean. I kept exhorting this man, you know, not to give in, you know. And I, I, looked, I looked at her and said, I don't even know the man. Why am I saying this to this, this man? He's called an apostle there. I said, why am I saying this to this man? She says, the Holy Ghost. Well, after I left, she came back to the state. She told me that man was used by the enemy to keep people from coming to the services. He's the one that was supposed to be the apostle over the service. I knew something wasn't right. I tried to be friendly toward him. I believed that if he would give himself and yield himself completely to God, that God would use him in a mighty way. That's what I told him. I tried to encourage him. 
but I knew something wasn't right. Man, I'm new. First time I've ever been there. First time I've ever met this man. But then I find out he was used by the devil to keep people from coming to hear the Word of God. Okay? Now, I even baptized him in Jesus' name. But he, he, she'll tell you, he, he acted like it was a big joke. I baptized him in Jesus' name in the swimming pool. He went swimming off, kind of laughing. I looked at him. Now, listen, church, you've got to understand, I don't have any desire to be malicious. But I looked at him and I said, you need to take this seriously. Because he wasn't. Her pastor in Zambia, Moses. Where'd you go? What's your pastor's name in Zambia, sister? Joseph, thank you. Joseph, yeah, Joseph. When I baptized Pastor Joseph in the name of Jesus, he came out speaking in tongues, the power of God all over him. He took it serious. Okay. So, you know, you see these oddities, strange responses in the man. And you know something's not right. You give the warnings and the rebukes. And then you find out when you get back to the States, he was actually used by the enemy to keep people from coming to the meetings. You see, that's what I'm talking about. That, that kind of thing. So she can tell you. She can tell you. Is this helping anybody? All right. Any questions? None? Okay, good. Because I got to go on. All right. I just promise you, first and foremost, if that spirit that's in that person is of God, they're not going to lead you away from truth. And they're not going to lead you away from true a true servant of God. They're not ever going to do that. Never. Okay? Just won't do it. Look at the fruit of their life. Must be tested though, right? God help me. Okay, very quickly. So the imitation takes place, verse 12, and the Scripture says when the imitation takes place and their rods turn into serpents, what happened? Moses' rod was turned into a serpent, ate them up, devoured them. God is saying, I'll show you who who the true God is. He's the superior God. He's the supreme God. He's the only God. These are false. God just chews them up, eats them up. The false, the serpents, He eats them. Thank God God's a serpent killer. He's a devil killer, man. He'll eat him up. He'll just eat him up. Hallelujah. Now, the, the manifestation of God's power is in that church. If it's really in that church, those little serpents that come around, they're not going to hang too long because they can't handle the fire. <laughs> they can't ha- Jesus. They can't handle what's here. And the power of God is just eat them up, man. They'll just disappear. 
Thank God for it, huh? I only serve one God. And His name is Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's His name. He's the one that I declare unto you. I don't preach myself, but I preach Christ and Him crucified. He's the one that I lift up before you. And I give Him all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And it's His word that I seek to declare. I don't seek to manipulate or control His power. I allow myself to be used by Him only that He might be glorified and that His kingdom might grow and you might be delivered and you might be helped and you might be encouraged and strengthened in the things of the Lord. Amen? How many of y'all love the Lord? Alright, real fast. Verse 14, The Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Okay? So in the morning, Moses in the morning, God tells him when. God tells him where. Moses is going to go and he's going to go to the water. Why? Because he wants to go through a ritual. He worships the Nile as a God. Okay? God has judged the false God. His rod ate up the serpents. Now he's judging a false God, the Nile. Are y'all here with me? But Pharaoh nonetheless is going to go there down to the water to do his ritual, to worship his false god. Okay. God says when he goes, Moses, you stand in his way. You, you with me? So that you know, get up in the morning. Can you imagine get up in the morning, you're going down to the Nile River to worship your God? Here Moses is standing right in front of you. He's standing in the way. I know, I'm not kidding. So God tells him when to go in the morning. He tells him where to go. Right? And it tells him what to do when he gets there. Now, I'm backing up. We're not yet. Okay, I'm backing up. I'm going to flow back into the sign that I've already preached to you. So get thee unto Pharaoh in the morning. Lo, he goeth out into the water, and thou shalt stand by the river's bank against he come. And the rod which was turned to a serpent shalt thou take in thine hand. When to go, where to go, and what to do when you get there. Okay? You won't ever have a doubt. I mean, you know, God's going to tell you where to go, when to go, where to go, and how to do when you get there. Take the rod in your hand. And when you do, when Pharaoh comes up, get in his way. Get in his way. He might try to go around you, but stand your ground. He might try to bypass you, might try to belittle you. In his royal apparel, might might try to make you feel like you're insignificant and nothing, but stand in his way. Amen. Thou shalt say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me unto thee, saying, Let my people go, that thou mayest serve me in the wilderness. And behold, hitherto thou wouldest not hear. You would listen. Thus saith the Lord, In this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite with the rod that is in my hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that is in the river shall die. And the river shall stink. And the Egyptians shall loathe to drink of the water of the river. Amen. 
So not only is the river turned to blood, but the fish that are in the river. You know what God is doing? He's bringing a judgment on the, the where Leviathan, the seven-headed dragon, resides. He's bringing judgment on his dominion. You understand what I'm saying? This is all foundational for the future end times when, when God will judge the Antichrist and his kingdom. Leviathan, the seven-headed dragon that's in the sea, is the Antichrist. Behemoth is an is a animal description that depicts the false religious system of the day. So God's judgment here upon Egypt is a type of what's going to happen in the future upon the Antichrist, the kingdom of Antichrist. Crocodiles will be will die. Okay, Leviathan. Understand? It's going to be turned to what? Blood. They took those boy babies, the Hebrew boy baby, firstborn, threw them in the river now. And what did the crocodiles do? Ate them. When the crocodiles in the Nile River ate them, there was blood of the young, blood of the innocents. And God said, you're going to reap what you sowed. You turn the river Nile into blood by feeding these children to the crocodiles. Now you're... Listen. And you had no problem with that. You had no problem when you threw those babies in the Nile and the waters turned to blood when the crocodiles ate them. You had no problem with that. But you will have a problem when God turns it to blood. And I preached not long ago when we got to the beginning of the book of Exodus how that men legalize evil by law. When men eat legalize evil by law, you have the same type of thing that we find in the Bible. But God said, the place where you turn the river to blood by the, the blood of babies, I'm going to turn it to blood by judgment. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Aaron, Take thy rod and stretch out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon the streams, upon the rivers, and upon their ponds, upon all their pools of water, that they may become blood that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in the vessels of blood and the vessels of stone. And Moses near did so as the Lord commanded. He lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river in the signs of Pharaoh, in the sight of Pharaoh, and in the sight of his servants, and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. And the fish that was in the river died, and the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river. And there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. I've already preached it to you. And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord had said. Please turn to Numbers 33 and verse 4. These judgments that are coming are for the deliverance of God's people and judgment upon Pharaoh. But it was more than that. Read it for me, brother. For the upon their gods also the Lord executed judgments executed judgment so when we preach to you and we say that these judgments that fall were judgments upon the gods of Egypt that's the Bible proof it's not the only place it says it 
So God was not only using this to deliver His people and judge the land of Israel, but He was judging the false gods and showing that He was the true God. Okay? The, Egypt, the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart were hardened, neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord had said. Still hardened his heart. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house, neither did he set his heart to, so, to, to this also. And all the Egyptians dig round about the river for water to drink, for they could not drink of the water of the river. And seven days were fulfilled after that the Lord had smitten the river. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, I give you all the glory and all the honor this morning. I pray, Lord, that the word that has been preached to this church, to this congregation, to this people, that they would be instructed thereby and have understanding, Lord. Father God, as we move into the end times, when we begin to see the signs and the judgments of God fall upon the earth, we begin to, to witness the the warnings concerning false Christ and false prophets and the various, very signs that point to your coming. Let us be a people that are full of the Holy Ghost walking in discernment, discernment of the Spirit, with a great knowledge of your Word. For you have said, Lord, in the end times, if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. I pray for this church that we continue to glorify you, lift up your name, declare the truth to all people that they can be saved and be delivered from their bondages. Continue to use this church to be a light in the midst of darkness as the end time begins to move upon us. We thank you, Lord God. We have everything we need. Your power, your encouragement, where impossibles can be made possible if we'll obey Your Word. Let us not harden our heart, God, but let us receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save our souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to give you just a moment.